Welcome to Messy in the Middle, the podcast. We are two realtors from two different coasts working to improve and grow. We believe you deserve to have a thriving business and live a balanced life. Your journey from ideas to implementation starts now. Well, hello, Jeffy. How are you? Hello, Ed. I'm well. How are you? I'm fantastic. It that is sounded cold. very it is, it is not cold. Clear. Oh my gosh. Yeah. 28 degrees this morning, you know, and it's fall. What's you kind of expect that? So it's a little chilly, but we're rocking and rolling. <laughs> yeah, you definitely expect some, It's 70 uh, degrees. It's like this. <laughs> it's like the, <laughs> oh, we had a little dip. Oh, a degree. It was 70 today instead of 75. Yes. Yeah, we have I'm a heat wave in San Diego. It's 72 degrees. I know. So, yeah. It's ridiculous. But it's cool. I like riding my bike. That's awesome. Well, I like I, I like riding my bike, but like I'm fully kitted up to not freeze to death. But that's a whole nother story. But but I'm sure you all <laughs> would love to hear about our exercise uh, re- regimes and weather. But we're here to talk not about really. something else. Not really. Which <laughs> this is episode four. Uh-huh. And we're calling it The Perils of Overpricing Listings. From yes. Hero... To zero. zero. (laughs) To zero. Or that 80s movie, Less Than Zero. (laughs) Yeah, it's bad. It's really bad. And it's cool. I'm glad we're breaking this down because when you brought up the idea, I thought, oh, God, it's kind of boring and technical and whatever. And I kind of like wild, airy, fairy stuff. So, but once you really listed all this stuff out, I was like, he is on to something here. So, Let's do this. Let's do it. And, you know, and part of it is, you know, one of the things I joke around is like cops. So Mm -hmm. 2020. So 2020. It's really, really hard in this market. Yeah. When things are, you know, are ripping up in price. Um, You know, in our market, you know, average, you know, median home price went up 20% this year. We're really close. I think we're at 16 yeah, and you probably had yeah. a quicker run up. We come in late and finish higher. Usually, was what happens yeah. in in North Carolina. We're a little slow in the South sometimes, so you know that happens. I also, think it's because you guys have weather. So I I feel like anybody who has weather that dictates movement, you'll see these spurts where we just kind of have this steady incline because the only time we don't have a lot of business going is the week of Thanksgiving, the week of Christmas, and when people graduate. That's it. Every other time, because we don't, it's not like you can't get in your car and drive because it's snowing. Yeah. People yeah. are scared and of the rain here, but that's about yeah, it. Yeah. I've seen that. I remember those days. But yeah, it's true. Like when we get snow, everything shuts down, you know, because we right. don't get a lot of it in the South. And when we do, it's like it's a holiday, which is awesome, mm-hmm. but it, mm-hmm. no business is getting done. So yeah, that's true. So, um, so anyway, you know, the way we're all thinking about this is that, you know, when you're in a rapidly rising market, how do you keep from overpricing a listing? Mm-hmm. And maybe, you know, more importantly, how do you mm-hmm. educate the seller on how to develop what we think is a winning strategy that doesn't involve a high list price? So right. how do you how do you technically go about that and how do you present that? Mm-hmm. That's what we're going to dig into today. And it's interesting because when we were talking about this originally, I live in an area that you can't go, oh, my neighbor's house sold for a million, so mine's going to sell for a million fifty. Because we, we don't live in a track area. Every house is, you know, 
well, there's some tracks like five houses in a row, but most of the houses around me were built in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, and they're all completely unique. So when I go in and I'm meeting with a client, they're like, oh yeah, my house is going to sell for you know XYZ price per square foot. I was looking at them and go, yeah, not here, buddy. That's Price per square foot means nothing to anybody around here because of this bell curve. You can have a 900 square foot house that sold for you know a million bucks. It's whatever price per square foot, $600, per square foot. And then you've got the neighbor who's selling for $350 a square foot. So those not only are comps, so 2020, but for me, so is price per square foot. So you really have to dig in and find out, okay, what's somebody willing to spend here? And we're going to talk about that a little bit down the road of how I go through and do that, which I find works very, very well. But it's good to talk to your sellers. We're going to, you'll go into that a little bit on expectation, but I always ask my sellers, what do you think your home's going to sell for? And I've had some pushback. Some of my sellers say, well, that's why I'm hiring you. You tell me what it's going to sell for. And then my famous line is, well, unfortunately, you and I don't get to decide what your home's going to sell for. The buyer does. The buyer's going to tell you what your home's worth. They might say it's worth less than you think, and they might say it's worth more. But you don't. You could have a general idea, but that's about it, at least in this market. Yeah, that's uh, that's really tricky. You know, when you push that one, it's like, well, what do you think? You know, mm-hmm. you, you do tend to get that that pushback, and I like that how you idea. respond to that. Yeah. One of the things I do when I'm when I'm going in and prepping is um, I always look at Zillow when I'm kind of yep. done with my numbers yeah. because I know they're looking at Zillow and I want to. That's probably the number that they're thinking about when you ask that question, right? I mean, I quite often go, "Well, you know, I was." At, they'll say, "Well, I was out on Zillow and it says it's worth it." <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. And so, so I, I like to know that ahead of time of where where that and that's probably not that revolutionary a concept. But it, it's good. It's, it's good, good as kind of a gut check to kind of know what you're thinking. Yeah. Um, yeah. And to, to be in tune with what your client's thinking too. I always walk through my philosophy of pricing with my clients. And again, I think when you're innovative and you are not the norm for a market, which I kind of feel like that's my niche, I, I definitely am always kind of pushing the envelope on things. I always talk to them about if you have your house and you have your neighbor's house, if your house is slightly undervalued for what you think it's going to sell for, you'll have way more foot traffic. The more foot traffic you have, the more offers you get. The more offers you get, the better pricing you're going to get because then you can leverage those buyers against each other to get the highest and best price. And not only that, but you also get, you know, what if you want to choose an all cash buyer that's the same purchase price as a loan? Um, it just, it makes a lot more sense. But when you're talking to these sellers, they're thinking, I can't believe this lady's telling me to list my house, you know, $40,000 less than I think it should sell for. So it's the hurdle of getting them to get on board, which my normal response is, you don't have to sell your house. If you're not in contract, you can take your house off the market and be like, I changed my mind. The second you agree to a price is when you're committed, but it's getting, it's getting them to understand that. And that's still to this right now. And I, I, this is my philosophy and it has been for years. It's still hard to get people on board sometimes. Yeah, it is. Um, so let's, th- I want to go a little bit deeper on that. So okay. you come in and you're saying, kind of walk me through it. I'm, you know, I'm Mr. Okay. Seller 
And so what do you kind of say and how do you position this philosophy? Okay, so I do an ABC going through and I, I label home. So I look at everything. So I'll pull up comps in the area and I will start, start super tight. So I'll do same bedrooms, same bathrooms, 400 square feet, bigger or smaller. And then I look, I print out the CMA and then I literally give it an A, a B or a C. And if I've seen the house then I'll do a plus an equal or a minus just to, to keep my head wrapped around what's going on. I save that search so that I can have it for, with me when I go on my listing appointment. And when I'm talking to the seller and the seller says, well, I think my home is worth 1.3 million. I'll say, okay, let's take a look. So here are the homes that are selling for 1.3 million or who have sold for 1.3 million. Do you feel your home is equal to better than or less than this home? And usually after two or three comps of looking, they're completely on board. So, you know, and this is definitely the showing of the comps came from Joe, my business partner. He is so good at that kind of stuff. So I took his lead and we've just run with that over the years, but that is very powerful. Yeah. I, I, when you introduced that concept to me, I really like that a lot mm -hmm. because you're chunking them and I historically yeah. haven't done it that way. All like, yeah. You know, I'll have a detailed spreadsheet that I used and it mm -hmm. balances everything out and drives to a number, but it's kind of in a different category of feature. And so I think it's sure. really smart to kind of back it down a little bit and say, well, we got to compare apples to apples. So, you know, mm -hmm. is yours you know, better than, equal to, or less than this? Oh, okay. And right. then start shoving them, yeah. shoving them around and building the, building the piles. I like that a lot. Yeah, and um, it, it definitely right. is powerful when your seller is looking at those because, you know, you're sitting in their living room or their kitchen and they're looking at a fully redone home that's, you know, top to bottom, everything done. And then their house is still the 1960s kitchen, plus everything else is still 1960s, but they want the same price. Now they're kind of like, well, I guess I haven't seen that before. So you're right. That, that is an alignment with the pricing that we're going for. Yeah. Yeah, that's really, really cool. Well, I'd like to chat a little bit about what we talked about, about how you kind of communicate this and set it up, at least the technique I've been using a bit, sure. which, which is has worked pretty well. So as you know, I'm uh, I'm a big fan of Chris Voss's Never Split the Difference mm -hmm. uh, negotiations. And, and, you got me hooked uh, on that. Yeah, we're going to get into that in more detail in other episodes. But I, first of all, I recommend everybody should read that book. Mm -hmm. Never split the difference, Chris Voss. Mm -hmm. And I'm actually yeah. in his uh, real estate negotiating course. It's been a year-long course. Yeah. Uh, and it's been fantastic. But one of the things he talks about is doing accusation audits. Okay. And you do it up front. And yeah. what an accusation audit is, is everything they're thinking about you, you bring up on the front end. Because <laughs> so they're powerful. thinking about it. Yeah. And yeah. so, and it, it, at first time I heard that, I'm like, isn't that kind of creating an objection? You know, do I really want to do that? And yeah. and you do because it, yes. it's addressing it up front. So in this case, yeah. like I, I, I did this twice last weekend on new listings. I'm like, what I'm going to tell you is going to sound crazy. You, you know, <laughs> I love that. this this is yeah. and there's a delivery thing with this too. And again, we'll get in uh -huh. it, but you. You know, it's the late night FM DJ voice. It's uh, you know, <laughs> using pauses. And so it's like, you're going to think 
I'm trying to just get an easy sale. You're going to think all I care about is my commission and I just want to get in and out of here. Mm-hmm. And you start listing these things out and they'll stop you at some point, but you know, but it's like, I'm like, no, 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 no I don't no, think no, that. No. no. Yeah. And it's like, but, but I said, here's the deal. What we've found is most effective for you getting the highest price is that we're going to bring the house in slightly under market it's and we're going to create a buzz. Mm-hmm. We're going to get people frothy mm-hmm. in a fever. <laughs> We're going to get multiple offers mm-hmm. and you're going to have the pick of the litter. Oh, you could list my house, buddy. That's right. <laughs> so, but the, but the tendency is, you know, and there are agents, then you go flip side on this, you know, believe yeah. it or not, there are agents out there that'll promise you the moon. They're mm-hmm. going to make you fall in love with a high number just to get you to sign them. I'm not one of those agents. There's plenty of people you can go to for that. That's not me. Yeah. That's great. Because what happens is you're going to do that and then it's not going to work. And in this market, you got about a week before they don't, they start sharpening the knives. And guys like mm-hmm. me who are representing buyers are going to mm-hmm. make you pay. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it's- the talk track. That's the talk track. And it's simple, isn't it? And that book, because Ed turned me on to Never Split the Difference, and I love it. Definitely tried it on my husband. That did not go very well. So (laughs) don't don't try it on loved ones. Definitely keep it to the general public. But there are some great, great negotiating tools in there. I'm, I'm trying to think of one of the things that when you were talking about listings staying on too long, do you talk to your sellers about what happens when listings stay on too long? Or do you want to dive into a little bit about what sellers do once things aren't going the way they wanted it to go when you accept an, a, a higher list price that's not working? Oh, yeah. So what, you know, what ha- what's, what's the effect of mm-hmm. when you take the overpriced listing? Yeah. Let's, let's be yeah, upfront yeah, yeah. and honest. I've done it. I'm sure, Jeffy, I'm sure you've done it. Yeah. It happens. I think, we, I think we all do it. We do because it's not a perfect science. And, and one of the things that just first comes to my brain, I know I asked you the question, but the buzz is gone. You know, yeah. this beautiful buzz that kind of builds up and it's a new house and no one's been in it and there's not enough mar- you know, homes on the market and they're excited and, you know, all of a sudden it's like a big fat flopper. So I think that's definitely it. So, mm-hmm. you know, one of the key things, buzz is gone. Yeah. When you overprice. And I, you know, you and I have been doing this long enough. I think the market's yeah. gotten a lot more efficient. So, so you, used to, you used to have a lot more time to let the market, you know, go through the properties. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, the first showings happen online from what they're seeing on whatever right. their search du jour is. Yeah. And uh, you don't get a lot of time. And especially mm-hmm. in a super hot market where everybody's expectation is, oh, it sells really fast, mm-hmm. you know. I was fortunate this year. I sold all of my listings on the first weekend, but they were yeah, all that's priced. Amazing. But they were all, we used this strategy, right? And they all sold for right. over right. and, you know, it worked. But I, you know, I know when I'm looking, when I'm shopping for buyer with buyers now, I'm, mm-hmm. I have a different offer strategy if it's been on the market more than a week. Yeah. 
Which is kind of crazy. It is kind of crazy because there's a flip side to that. And I think it's important to talk about this too, because we know that we have this whole buyer pool sitting out there with bated breath, waiting for these properties to come on the market. So that's usually why we sell them within the first three to five days, right? The thing is, is that what, what I have noticed here in San Diego is that at about day four, when I'm starting to process all the offers and get everything organized, I have a whole fresh group of people coming through that are probably just qualified, just ready to go, just pouncing on things. And sometimes those end up being the better buyers because of their, you know, their loan structures or whatever they have going on. So it's almost like, I wonder what would happen if we as a collective within our community said, every house is staying on the market for six days or seven days, no matter what. So that our sellers would have a bigger pool of people looking at it. The problem is, is that if you're the only one that's doing that and a buyer's getting nervous, they're going to put out multiple offers on different properties. And then you're going to end up accepting an offer when someone's not even interested anymore because our buyers are trained right now to know that they have to move within 48 hours. Well, it's funny. I, um, I do kind of do that now. So on all my listings, I list on a Thursday. So if, you know, yeah. I'll, I can have coming soon, but then you know, come, you know, actually get into the home on a Thursday, and mm-hmm. I put right up front all offers due three o'clock on Monday. That Monday. Okay. All right. And then if by chance it doesn't sell, then I just wipe that out. I didn't have that happen this year, but mm-hmm. I like doing it that way because you get a bigger pool. That's true. And, People are and, more motivated to get in there. And I find that buyer's agents really appreciate it because they're not practicing emergency real estate then and they can plan their showing. And yeah. And, but yeah, you got to educate the seller. It's like, look, if you say this, you cannot accept that really great offer that comes in on day one and they put an expiration on it because, you know, you one, you're responding to bully tactics and that's going to come back. Mm hmm. Agreed. So you got to you got to like draw you know draw the line and then two for me I'm like it's my reputation I'm not going to let you do that you know mm-hmm. it's like we have to agree up front if you want to sure. set a deadline you got to live by the deadline. Okay, I know this is off topic for what we're talking about here for pricing but I think this is important to talk about. When I have a buyer who's approved to a certain number, I have a buyer for 850 and I see a house and it's listed for 8 and I call the agent and I say, hey, do you have offers over 850? And they will not tell me. That bugs the holy bejesus out of me because now I'm wasting my buyer's time, my time writing an offer, doing these things, getting them excited about something. And let's say that they're at 900, which is totally par for the course right now. It is easy to find properties that were listed at one number and sold for a hundred thousand over. So do you on the East coast, do you answer that question? Honestly, if an agent calls and asks it, I would answer, well, it depends on the agent. Okay. It depends who's asking the question, you know, so there's some agents that won't do it Mm -hmm. in relationships. And if somebody calls me and I've got a long relationship with them, I would say you're wasting your time or it would be worth it to submit that. Don't you think, though, that that would be good to do with every agent so that it saves the time and energy? And even like think about it, if you have an owner occupied property and you have agents coming in that literally there's no way their buyer could ever get to the price that you already have an offer for. Why would you put yourself, the buyer's agent, your seller and the buyer through that? Why would you be choosy? Yeah, Uh, it's just... (laughs) We're all in uncharted territory right now. And I, I think everybody has certain ways they want to play it and deal with it. Sure. Um, and I try and 
smoke that out a little bit beforehand, but it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's tough. It's yeah, tough. Yeah. And, you know, and you'll get the, well, just submit your highest and best, you know, and it's like, okay. You know, and then, I know. but I, you know, the other way to get, get that answer is try to get them to say how many offers, do you have multiple offers on the table? Yes. Do you have an offer on the table. You have multiple yeah. offers. Well, you know, if you yeah. got multiple, they're telling everybody else they got multiple. So it's going to be in a bidding war. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, you can also look at showing time and see like how booked it is. That's true. You know, you, if they you use there's things time, you can yeah. do to sniff it out. Yeah, that's true. And I guess, and honestly, for this in the seller's best interest, you want to you want multiple offers. So if you didn't have multiple offers, I probably well, I know I don't. I'm not as specific at that point because I want there to be multiple offers. So my highest and best offer feels motivated to go higher. You know, you could also, I'm just thinking this through, you could use a Voss technique of maybe a different accusation on that. So you'd say, um, we were, we're willing to go up to 800, but I don't want to waste your time. So we're not going to submit that. <laughs> yeah, that's a great way to put it. And now they're going to say, well, submit that. it. And yeah. that tells you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so I, you know, that might be a way to right, get I'm the answer. I'm writing that one down. Voss yeah. technique. Yeah. Okay, so, good. All so right, well, let's get back on track. Way. Yeah, but anyway, that, that's a deep deep dive we're taking. Yeah. So, um, so buzz is gone, costly. costly. Yeah, so mm-hmm. overpriced listings, they're soul-sucking. Yeah. They're just costly. You know, so they're costly in time, money, energy. but mm-hmm. most important, your energy. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's yeah. a real reason not to do it. Yeah, I mean, I if you know in your heart it's overpriced, it never ends well. No, it, it doesn't. You end up being a stinky fish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, one of the big things you and I chatted about was the fact that when you have an overpriced listing, when you have to make those arduous phone calls to that seller, when you know there's nothing new to tell them, nobody's been in the house, nobody's been giving you feedback. It's overpriced. And so, hi, Ed, it's Jeffy. I'm just calling to let you know we haven't had any activity this week. I mean, I hate those calls. Yeah. They're like, I hate those calls so much. I'd rather never take an overpriced listing. Yeah. You, you say like, hi, it's Jeffy. And they're like, yeah, what do you want? Yeah, exactly. And then in <laughs> Did you turn, sell my house? Yeah. Did you sell my house yet? What's going on? Um, in turn, we work you and I work and Buffini agents and a lot of people in general, but work by referral. How hard is it going to be to get a referral from someone that's disappointed from the very beginning because there wasn't an honest talk track about what is going on with their home and what it's worth. And so you're working for, you're working for pain for however long it takes to sell this property, even if you do get the price reduction, even if you do get it into escrow, and even if you do close it, that seller's irritated with you. They're never going to send you somebody. They're not excited. So why right. do we do it? Yeah. 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 And I, and you, and I know 100%. there are some times. There are some exceptions. And I, I would love it if you talk about it because I think you have some really good exceptions. Yeah, ab- absolutely. But I think I think what you just said is really, really important. Yeah. In that, you know, we do the majority of our business by referral. Most people listening to this, same, and they don't generate referrals. So it's like a dead end street. And, mm-hmm. you know, they're not going to blame themselves. They're going to no. blame you. And so, yeah. And, they're and not it, stinky. It, you are. <laughs> right. It's your fault. And so, it's and in, in a way, it kind of is because you took it. Right. So, yeah. 
Yeah. So um, now that being said, we're realistic. We're realists. We're in the trenches here. And they're like, okay, that briefs well, but you haven't had a listing in three months and you get an opportunity and you're tempted mm-hmm. to take it. And you, th- it, yeah. because it's a rising market and you're not sure, right? So maybe it isn't, mm-hmm. maybe you're off. So how do you handle that? And I think there's a couple techniques we'd like to talk about. One of which is, you know, you just got to build it into the marketing plan up front. So if you're going to do it, I think it's really smart to pre-write in the reduction into your listing agreement. So put it in writing. And I, do you do that? Have you done that? I do. I do it a lot. And I do it when number one, it's a, a property that's in my farm that I know like inside and out. I know tons of homes that I've sold in that area. And I don't, I would really like that listing to, to come to me instead of somebody else. But there is definitely a, a an automatic price reduction at X days. And I usually base it around activity. So if an average, if an average home is selling in six days and you don't even have a showing in six days, your first price reductions in days on day six. So I I tie it into something that means something to the seller and to me. That's a really smart way to do it. Say, well, this is average days on market. And so we're going to, you know, we've missed, you know, it's worth a shot. Yeah. But we're gonna we're gonna commit to it. And the reason I think it's really important is if you allow it to the emotions of the moment, there's always a reason not to cut that when it's time. And 100%. one week becomes 30 days very quickly. Yeah. Very, very quickly. Yeah. A lot of money and anxiety. Yep. The other the other option, if your MLS allows it, is to take it as an an office exclusive for a period of time mm-hmm. to test the waters. At a price yeah. to where it's not seen in the MLS and in Zillow, so that you're not damaged by it. And Correct. I actually, um, on both of my last listing appointments, I said, "Well, let's let's come up with a make your make me move number. Is there a price that works for you mm-hmm. in excess?" I like that. Yeah. Um, and can I uh, can I market that exclusively in my office? Which is also like with my buyer's agent, I got a whole list of potential mm-hmm. buyers, right? And right. they're like, "Oh yeah, absolutely, we're happy to do that." Yeah. So, Which gives you a lot of good feedback too. Right. Ton right. of good feedback. So that's that's a really good one. I think that kind of that kind of hits the high points, but we wanted to end yeah. with maybe a, a story like tell me a, right. a pricing nor- nightmare you had. Where did when did you take an overpriced <laughs> listing and how that right. work out for you? Yeah, exactly. So just like Ed and I said earlier, you know, we are we're just like all of you. We're just out there pounding the pavement and doing our best. And the whole reason we decided to do this podcast is because it, it synergizes. It it helps us be better at our jobs, but it also it's the kind of stuff that we'd love to hear from other people as well. So that's why we love feedback. My business partner, Joe, and I, I keep saying my business partner, Joe, because I'm afraid that if I just say Joe, nobody's going to know who I'm talking about. That's no, it's good, good protocol. Joe. Okay, good. Anyway, we had a um, sign call on one of our listings in an area that is it's a really beautiful area of um, Mount Helix. And we went to the listing and I could tell from the very moment that I walked through the door when I met Mr. Seller that he, he just had 
you could just feel it. You know, those attitudes you can feel and you're just like, okay, this one, I don't know what I'm going to do here. But then my personality is always like, where well, I'm going to find my angle. <laughs> I'm going to find my way into this guy. I'm going to yeah. figure it out. <laughs> but yeah. It, yeah, no, that did not happen. Anyway, I had everything that we just talked about. I had all my ABC comps. I had Joe had our, his computer with us. We had the search already set up so we could show things. The house really was just at like probably a million fifty. And this is this is a few years back. Now it'd be worth way more, but it's about a million fifty. He wanted 1.3 million. He was adamant that his home was worth 1.3. And so because he had that kind of personality that you go, God, I'm totally, I'm wrong. There's no way that he can be so sure of this. And now he's starting to make me and Joe doubt ourselves. So we decided, okay, we'll do this. Well, it's a massive home. It's like a 5,000 square foot home. So we did twilight photos and we did day photos and we did a massive party at the house as a showing for all a bunch of agents in the area. And I think we were into it about five grand. Mm. Okay. So $5,000 for an overpriced listing with a jackass seller who did not give a rat's butt about either Joe or I. And so it was just like, check, check the boxes of bullshit. Like, excuse my language. <laughs> it's just like, what are we doing? It's kind of like he hypnotized us. Give me your money. I'm going to get you to do this. All. Yes, you know, I've had it, was, yes. it was terrible. And then the weekly calls, well, actually, I call my clients two times a week. I call my sellers on Monday and Thursday, and I call my buyers on Tuesdays and Fridays. So I would look at Joe and I go, dude, can you call him this? Can you call him this time? And he's like, nope, I'm you're, not calling him. You're flipping you're a coin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it was, <laughs> right. It was gut wrenching every single time. And I can honestly say that when we called him and said, I think you should take it off the market and list with someone else, I can give you a referral. I can do, you know, whatever you need. I had the biggest feeling of relief. I was just like, Oh my God, that's, I'm so happy to be done with this. And the guy's never given us a referral. We're in the negative. He would never list with us again, even though we, we know what we're doing. Our photos were insane. The party was insane. He just didn't sell because he was overpriced. But the price. Full stop. Yeah. It's the price. So anyway. yeah, it's the price. I got to ask, yeah. how, how did that go a full six months? How long did that go? Uh, no, I think we stopped it at four months and it was just mostly because I could, first of all, Joe wouldn't call him. And secondly, <laughs> I just didn't have it in me anymore to do it. And it just was getting stinkier and stinkier and stinkier. So I'm like, done. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's not so, you. It's me. I, I can't do yeah, this anymore. Yeah. It's not well, you. It's me. Well, yeah. one of the things that I can't remember if this is a buffiniism or Joe Nego said it, but I heard somewhere along the line. Your goal is to sell the home before they hate you. And, <laughs> and, and every day it's on the, the market, they hate you they a hate little bit more. more. <laughs> they, they hate you a little bit more. So, was that our little uh, timer? That was a little timer because we we're trying All to keep right. it at 30. So um, okay, so good. that's, that's kind of right at the wrap point. Yeah, um, that's a wrap point. And my computer's about to die too. So cool. plus I think our audience is probably over us at this point. I find that hard to believe. 
So anyway, everybody, thank you so much for listening. Uh, again, Mess in the Middle. I'm Ed Billings yeah. down in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. And I'm Jeffy Moultrie in San Diego, California. And uh, we will see you at the next episode. Take yes, care, we will. Bye, guys. Thank you. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed the show gained insight into having a thriving business and living a balanced life. We also welcome any ideas you would like us to discuss in future shows. Don't forget to like and share. We'll see you next week.